The first reading from the third Sunday in Lent, year A. A reading from the book of Exodus. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The Word of the Lord. The Gospel from the Third Sunday in Lent, Year A A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Judean, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Judeans do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty, or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming in when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Judeans. 
but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything that I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, Look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor." Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our scriptures today are filled with thirsty people. Moses and the Israelites making their way into the desert in Exodus, the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus himself in John's Gospel. Ironically, Quenching that thirst is always in someone else's hands, and that relationship can go one of two ways, our scriptures tell us, to resentment or to joy. First, let's consider those Israelites that fled from Egypt. After the big Cecil B. Mill deliverance through the parted seas, they've now made their way into drier, less thrilling territory, the wilderness of sin. Sounds almost allegorical although it might be more appropriately called the wilderness of doubt and desperation. Everyone is thirsty. And interestingly, they can't understand why Moses isn't delivering. He has that staff, doesn't he? The one that outperformed Pharaoh's magicians, right? So they doubt Moses, and they doubt God. What have you done for us lately, they ask. Now Moses never hesitates to tell God what's on his mind, especially when he's in trouble. 
I think this is probably what makes him a friend of God. God appreciates Moses' dilemma. I mean, Moses just does what God tells him, and so far he hasn't gotten any special instructions about beverages. Telling Israel to have faith in a God gone silent when their tongues are parched isn't going over very well. Israel uses the same sort of complaining to get manna out of God the chapter before, and they're at it again. God instructs Moses on how to use that staff to bring water from a rock, and God delivers. But that won't be the end of Israel's thirst. It runs very deep in God's people, all the way into the Christian scriptures, all the way to us. Now, in the Gospel of John, we have another cinematic story of the woman at the well. The scene opens with Jesus sitting by himself next to a well filled with water that he cannot reach, and he is thirsty. This is a rare look at the vulnerability of Jesus. He is exhausted and parched and sitting in enemy territory. And I'm struck by this fact where are his followers? I mean, did he have to send all 12 to the city to buy lunch? And in that whole retinue, no one thought to leave him a rope or a water pail? Just sit by this well, Jesus, at high noon, and we'll be right back. That makes me wonder if Jesus wasn't thirsty for more than water. I wonder if the work of the Father was feeling just a little bit overwhelming at that moment. I wonder if he was longing for company that understood what he really carried within him, someone who thirsted for that and wasn't looking for just another miracle. And then, here she comes, a Samaritan woman carrying, thank you God, a bucket. Woman, give me a drink, Jesus says. And what the Samaritan woman gives him is lip because she knows privilege when she sees it, and here it is, sitting right by her people's ancient well, demanding a drink, and she's not having it. How is it that you, a Judean, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And then this wonderful verbal sparring ensues, where the two of them lay out the ancient arguments of their people. The woman defends her fellow Samaritans, cousins of Israel, who had split into five tribes, each one adopting the God of another culture, in addition to the God of Israel. And Jesus, speaking up for Israel, his people, the people from whom the one true God would bring salvation. These were ancient animosities, but woven among their sparring, both Jesus and the Samaritan woman reveal what they are really thirsty for. The Gospel of John is full of double meanings. Thirst does not really mean thirst only. Husband does not mean husband only. And Jesus is not the only prophet at the well. He sees clearly who he is with and knows that the woman will understand the double meaning when he says, Go get your husband. The word that the gospel writer uses is Baal, which can mean husband or Lord or God, as in the prophets of Baal. 
And the woman who knows her people's spiritual story by heart, who has maybe tasted some dissatisfaction with it, says, I have no Lord, no Master, no God. And Jesus says, you're right. You've had five of them, and you can't really lay claim to the one you have now. And the woman knows we're not really talking about husbands here. She's known it all along with the insight of a spiritual knower, a religious leader, one who at a word can bring her whole community running. And the woman who is thirsty for something deep and alive and true knows Jesus has gotten it just right, the way that prophets get things just right. He has named the truth of the matter, and that has gotten her attention. Here, Jesus names what he is thirsty for. But the hour is coming and is now here, he tells the woman, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. The woman says to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus says to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. And the woman knows it to be true, so true that she forgets all else in order to get back to her people to tell them that the long-awaited Messiah is sitting right there at Jacob's well, and they will take her at her word, because that's the kind of influence she had in her community. She even forgets her water jar. I'm not sure Jesus ever got the drink of water he originally asked for, when his disciples returned with takeout, Jesus is neither hungry nor thirsty, because in the Gospel of John, hunger is not just hunger, and thirst is not just thirst. Jesus' disciples were confused because they kept taking Jesus at face value. But Jesus had finally gotten a good taste of what he longed for, faith that recognized the promise of God when it was offered, Faith that asked for it by name, give me this water. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him, and so does Jesus. Now I want us to savor for a minute this incredible act of mutuality that happens between God and humanity in this story of the woman at the well. God comes longing for human relationship and the woman comes longing for God, and the two meet at the well that is Jesus, and their thirst is quenched. Even though neither the man of Judea nor the woman of Samaria gets a drink of actual water, this is not just the gospel assigned for this Sunday, the 15th of March, but it is a gospel that has something very important to say to us on a Sunday when we cannot worship together, when we're separated from gathering as a community by the threat of a virus that doesn't discriminate. And what this gospel says is we are not alone. The love and grace that we have from Jesus Christ spans social distance. It travels faster than this virus it is stronger than our fear. I do not believe that God sends plagues and viruses to test our faith, 
despite what some Bible stories might say. But I do believe they test us anyway. They reveal what we are made of, and they challenge us to make visible and tangible the things we believe in, like the power of love and hope and compassion, the power of listening and presence and patience, the power of reconciliation, all things for which our frightened community deeply thirsts at this fearful moment. As we, the people of St. Martin in the Fields, live into this new reality of the novel coronavirus, learning more about the way it impacts our community, we have the love and grace of Jesus with us. And we have the experience and wisdom of the wider scientific and faith community to guide us in appropriate responses. You'll find that we're gathering this kind of information on St. Martin's website, which we're updating regularly so that all of us can respond in ways that are prudent, loving, and effective. But today's gospel reminds us of the bottom line, that our call is to make this a time of looking outward to the needs of our neighbors while opening ourselves inward to receive help and care that we need. As you do that, Keep before you this image of Jesus, tired and thirsty, waiting next to a well with no way of drawing water from it. And you are the one with the bucket. And remember as well your own ancient thirst for relationship with the one sitting there who carries within him the source of everlasting life. And may God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you, walk with you, and empower you to respond to the thirst around you with Christ's own love, hope, and healing. Amen.